23 verses of this chapter, which sometimes when as a preacher, when we say that, everybody will hear a gasp across the uh, worship center, but we'll certainly not read all of those. We're just going to read a portion of it and then uh, talk about what God is teaching us in this journey through this portion of the book of Daniel. has so much to say to us as the people of God in how we behave and respond in the chaotic climate that our world is in today, to say the least. I'm saying that there's so much to be said about that. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, if you found your place physically able, would you stand with me and honor reverence the reading of God's word? And we'll read down through about verse 13. Notice what the word of God says. It says, Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave command to the, call the magicians, the astrologers, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king. The king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you, know, you shall be cut into pieces, and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell, them, tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered, and said, they answered again and said, Let the king and his servants, uh, let the king tell his servants to dream, and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you gave me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered and said to the king, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is difficult; is a difficult thing that the king requests. And there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. They sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Father, in Jesus' name, help us today to make known the truth of the word that you put in our heart. Help us, God, to be faithful to the truth of Scripture. Declare it. And God, may you change lives today, Father, as a result of us being under the Word of God. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you uh, so much for being seated. I'm preaching today on this subject, Big Trouble in Babylon. We've talked about the bondage in Babylon. We talked about the legacy of little things last week as we closed out chapter 1. As we get into chapter 2, we see that there is some big trouble brewing in Babylon. Daniel chapter 1 ends with being told that Daniel and his three friends had been found to be the cream of the crop of all the young men who were in Babylon who had been brought in from Judah that were being trained to serve Nebuchadnezzar. Also, the king declared that these young men were ten times better than all his magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. See, everything seems to be going really good for Daniel at the end of chapter 1. Him and his friends have uh, been faithful to God regardless of what's going on around them. They've remained true to God in all areas of life. They refused the king's diet. They refused to change their devotion to him and continued to give their devotion completely toward the God of Judah. He had gained favor with the chief of the eunuchs. He had gained favor even with the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar himself. But now as we begin to read in chapter 2, we find that all of those good things are beginning to get in jeopardy. So as Daniel continues his journey with the Lord, he's in Babylon, but he is 
demonstrating the type character that every child of God must embrace. See, we, like Daniel, learn that regardless of our circumstances or regardless of our geographical location, we are ambassadors of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, regardless of where we are, and that there is no higher king on this planet. He has saved us, according to the word of God in 1 Peter. He has called us with a holy calling. He is a God who will never leave us, regardless of where we are. And we must focus our hearts today on fulfilling his purpose for our lives as individuals, our families, our churches, and this nation. D.L. Moody once said this. He said, the world is yet to see what, a man, what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. And Moody said, by God's help, I aim to be that man. When I look into the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, and I read of men like Daniel and Joseph, I find that these men certainly rise to the top when it comes to finding men of integrity who remain faithful to God and were determined to be the kind of man that God could use totally consecrated to him and his purpose. So as we discover some things from the word of God today, as we talk about this first section of the trouble that's brewing in Babylon, we find that the Holy Spirit directs Daniel to write about three pictures, if you will, or three scenes in these opening verses that describe for us what's going on. So we have to kind of lay a little groundwork, and then we can be able to apply the truth that we learn from the text. The first thing we notice is that there is some royal frustration going on. Nebuchadnezzar's tore up from the floor up, as they'd say. He's really upset. He's having some things going on in his life that's rather troubling to him. But keep in mind that at the end of Daniel chapter 1, we, rem we remember that God supernaturally gave three things to Daniel. He gave him wisdom beyond all the wisdom of the Babylonians. He's the wisest man there is. And remember, he's still a young person. He's a student. So he is still there, and he is wise above all the people in the kingdom. The second thing God gave him was he gave him influence beyond anyone in the kingdom. He didn't just give him wisdom, but he gave him influence, and he gave him wisdom on how to use the influence. Very important that you understand that. He had wisdom, he had influence, and then God gave him help that would result in a long life. So God gave him three things that were going to be very important to him remaining faithful to God in this culture that he finds himself. So very quickly, Daniel finds himself in the most difficult situation that only God can lead him through. And can I tell you this? Right now in God Blessed America, we're in situations today that only God can lead us through. If we're not careful, and I've shared with some of my brothers, sometimes preachers are real quick to share opinions and real quick to say things. And that's a, if we're not, we need to be very careful in this culture today. We stay true to the Word of God, and we declare what God's Word says, and we don't go out here talking about our opinions and things because those things are not holy. The Word of God is holy. My opinion is not holy. And let me help you, neither is yours. Amen? Our opinions are not holy, but the Word of God is. And if we stay to the Word of God, we can see God lead us through that. So just as God was able to be with Daniel, we need God to be with us today. Amen? So notice what happens. There were some problems... That provoked this king. Well, anyone who's ever served in any type of leadership knows what it's like to lose sleep over some decisions that are coming up, problems that are out there, projects that are ongoing. We know what that's like. We've all experienced that in leadership, especially, you know, in the days we've been in in the past several months because everybody wants answers to a lot of things that we don't have the answers to. And we have to continue to trust God to give us grace day by day. But this king was having recurring dreams that were uh, upsetting to him. Some of us may have had the same thing. He was waking in the night, and he wanted to know what this meant. Well, to keep everything in context and make sure that we're faithful to God's word, we have to understand this to be true. People ask me sometimes, they say, can God speak to people through dreams? And the answer is, yes, he can, because God is sovereign, and he can do whatever he wants to do. Amen? We need to remember that, okay? We're not in charge. He is. But as we understand that he can do this and that he is sovereign over all things, we must be careful to not place too much confidence in our unconscious experiences, and here's why. 
because the passage today is describing an event in the Old Testament under the law where God sent a message to a pagan king through a dream. God's doing this, and he's doing it for his purpose. But as New Testament believers, we don't have to solely rely on dreams and signs and visions to enable us to discern the will of God. It's very important you understand that. Can God speak to you through another Christian? Can God speak to you through a dream? Can God speak to you through circumstances? Absolutely, God can do that. But always remember to be very careful that you test everything that seems to be God speaking with the Word of God because God will never contradict His Word and will never lead you to behave in any contradictory way to the truth that we find in Scripture. We have the Spirit of the living God dwelling in us. He leads us and He guides us in all truth and He leads us to be faithful to His Word. Warren Wiersbe said this about that subject. He said... God guides his children today by the Holy Spirit as they pray, seek his face, meditate on his word, and consult with spiritual leaders. Very important you understand that. That's the way we find the will of God. So our human subconscious mind is capable of producing dreams, and Scripture reminds us that we have to be discerning that even demonic forces can cause dreams that are Satan's lies and not God's truth. You can read all about that in Jeremiah chapter 23. I'd love to share it all with you, but I know that y'all's cerebral cortex will only absorb as much as your gluteus maximus will endure, okay? So I'm going to be very careful with that, okay? But the, the Bible teaches us to be careful. And always remember, God never leads you to do anything that is contradictory to his word. Regardless of where you hear it, you'll be fine, okay? So regardless of what's going on, as Daniel writes about Nebuchadnezzar, there are some major frustrations in his heart and mind. Here's the first thing. Nebuchadnezzar was a very troubled man. He was regarded as the mightiest king and the most powerful empire on earth at this particular time in history. And the Old Testament records more about him than any other earthly ruler. You can check it out. Read the entire Old Testament. You'll not find anyone mentioned more than Nebuchadnezzar when it comes to earthly rulers. He was a mighty king who was troubled by a recurring message. And the fact of that message was is that God was about to was speaking to him. And what he was speaking to him was a message about him and all the kingdoms of the world that would follow Babylon, leading to the coming of the Lord Jesus. The message in this passage of Scripture is a message for all of us today. It's important for us to remember that even Jeremiah the prophet referred to Nebuchadnezzar as God's servant in Jeremiah 25 verse 9. When you read that, some people would think, wait a minute, Nebuchadnezzar was a righteous king, and the truth of the matter is he was the furthest thing from a righteous king. It does not mean he was a righteous king because he's referred to as God's servant, but it does mean that God was using him as an instrument to accomplish his purpose. Always remember that. God is sovereign over all creation and even uses these pagan kings in the Old Testament for the accomplishment of his purpose and will. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was building a kingdom for himself. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was making Babylon great. But what he was actually doing was building a school in which God would allow his people to learn lessons for the next 70 years that they would never forget for the rest of their lives. He was using Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom as a training ground for his people. See, Nebuchadnezzar was troubled because he was looking into an uncertain future, wondering what is ahead for my kingdom. Everything in his life revolved around his kingdom. He was disturbed and troubled by his dreams, to say the least, and he could not recall the content. Because he could not recall these details, he turned to the only people that he thought could help him. We're fixing to see how Nebuchadnezzar turns to the wisdom of the world instead of the righteousness of God. He wasn't just a troubled man, but he issued a tenacious mandate. He goes after them full spin, and he says, listen here, I, I want to know what this means. And the only discernment that he had and the only discernment that he could use were the various classes of wise men, if you will. He wanted the sharpest minds. 
He wanted the exceptional experts to be present in his time of trouble. He wanted to surround himself with the sharpest guys around, but he didn't turn to the God who could have helped him. See, Nebuchadnezzar called on four groups of people. He called on the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. And to fully understand this text, you've got to understand who these people are. The magicians were sacred scribes who acted as interpreters or revealers of secret things. The astrologers were those who professed to interpret divine future events by the alignment and the appearance of the stars. The sorcerers were men who professed to have power with evil spirits. And the Chaldeans were the people who were in the country of which Babylon was the capital. And it's in the book of Daniel, even after their captivity, that their name was used as a special reference to a class of learned men ranking with the magicians and the astronomers. So he's went and got all the smart people. He's got all the gifted people. He's got all the talented people. He's got the sharpest minds in the kingdom. And he says, I want every one of them brought in here right now. These men were the brains of Babylon who were supposed to provide the answers, especially when it came to the interpretation of dreams. But notice what Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, my spirit is anxious to know the dreams. You know what that means? He was communicating some urgency that he wanted to know and as he spoke to this delegation of interpreters, he wanted answers from them, and he wanted them immediately. He did not want to wait. He had very little patience. So there were some problems that provoked this king. He was a troubled man. He issued a tenacious mandate. But there were also some people that prevented the king. It wasn't just his problems. He had some people. You see, the same people that he called upon were the ones that became the greatest hindrance to him. Those he thought would be his greatest help became his greatest hindrance. So as he begins to summon their help, you can read in the text and see the backpedaling begins. They begin to make excuses. They begin to try to buy some time. And they begin to look for ways to try to interpret his dream. Well, the only way they knew to interpret dreams was they had these books that they called it was filled with what they call dream symbols. And in order for them to be able to interpret his dream, if you will, they needed, him, they needed him to give a lot of details. Well, he wasn't giving much detail, so they had nothing to go on. So that because of that, they began to push for more time. Well, how come he couldn't remember the details? Was it because he didn't remember them? Or was it because he was testing the validity of his counselors? Well, was it that he was testing their authenticity, if you will? Most likely, that's what was taking place. And we need to remember that this dream was not one he had had once, not twice, but several times, and he had probably tried to arrive at a meaning of himself. It's highly unlikely that he forgot anything. So without these details, these wise men were in a mess. They had no way to determine the meaning of his dream and their inability to interpret his dream revealed that they did have a lack of authenticity. They may have been worldly wise men, but they had no spiritual insight. So what do we know about them? Well, there's two things we know about them. One we know is that they were superficial. They weren't real. See, the more Nebuchadnezzar pressed for an answer, the more they stalled for time. I told him in the first service about a friend of mine who called, you remember years ago when they used to have these psychic hotlines? I don't know if they have those anymore. I never called any of them. Y'all may have. I didn't. But they, people would call them, and they'd want to get a reading. Or, you know, and if you travel much and you go down to South Alabama where all the Auburn fans live, you'll see where, <laughs> just check and see if y'all listen, all right? Uh, you'll see these people with a, a picture of a hand out there. You can stop by and get a reading or whatever. Well, a friend of mine called, and he uh, he called this number, and, and they called 1-900-PSYCHIC-LINE. They answered and said, psychic hotline, who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? He said, I don't know. You're the psychic. You tell me, right? Uh, but anyhow, uh, he's, just, he's just mean, wasn't he? No, nah, that was fun. But nevertheless, it's true. It's superficiality. Those people don't know what's going to happen to you. Those people have no idea. There's no sense in trusting your future to superficial means like that when you can trust your future to the supreme, holy, sovereign God of the universe. 
Not only were they superficial, but they were shameless. Verse 10 11 shows us that, how they actually admitted their own inability to do what the king requested. They're saying, nobody can do that. The only way somebody can do that is if they were in touch with the gods, little G-O-D-S. And by their own words, they were declaring that they were imposters, that they were fake, that they were phony. So at this point, Nebuchadnezzar's hot. And these men are telling him that there's no one on earth who can interpret his dream. And they even told him that his request was unlike any request made by any other king. And now he demands that all of these wise men be destroyed if they do not reveal the content of his dream. He's to the end. He's fixing to do business with them, right? So there's royal frustration, to say the least. Now notice the second thing with me. There was also some righteous supplication. Aren't you glad Daniel's in the story? Aren't you glad there's a connection to God in this thing? I certainly am. If you begin reading in verse 14 and following where we left off, you'll find these things to be true. The order that Nebuchadnezzar issued did not exclude Daniel and his three companions. If all of the wise men were going to be killed for not interpreting the dream, guess what that meant for Daniel and his three buds? They were going down too. They knew they were in danger, and it shows us how quickly you can go from being a hero to a zero. I found that out real quick in the pastoral ministry. Brother Larry, you agree. One day, man, people like, boy, God bless you, preacher. You just, God used you to reach, touch my heart and influence my life. And the next day, one thing you do, they don't like, and they don't like you anymore. I mean, it's just unbelievable how quick you do. So I learned to take criticism and compliments the same way. I've got a lot more criticism over the years than I've got compliments, but I've learned to take them the same way. And I've learned to say thank you regardless of whether it's criticism or compliment. You're the worst preacher I've ever seen. Thank you. <laughs> You're family. Thank you. I've learned to do that. Oh, you, God used you to help my family. Thank you. Whatever. And I've learned to just take them all the same way, and then that way you don't allow yourself to get wise in your own eyes, which the Bible says is dangerous anyhow, right? Well, notice what happened here. Daniel approached Nebuchadnezzar with a humble petition. You can read about it in verses 14 through 16. I'm going to tell you what it says, okay? Daniel begins to process the king's order, so he communicates with Arioch, who is the captain of the king's guard. He's an important guy. So he's communicating with a guy who's really close to the king, the captain of the king's guard, but notice how the Bible says he approached him. Now, here's some good stuff. Now, if you've tuned out for the historical background, I need you to tune in for the next few minutes because here's where the Bible really begins to tell you and I how to behave in this chaotic culture we're living in, okay? He approaches Arioch, according to the Scriptures, with counsel and wisdom. Wait a minute. Who gave him the wisdom, Marty? Uh, that's not a trick question. Good Lord. Okay, good. Okay, good. Uh, I'll check him. See if Marty's getting two services. I have to watch Marty because uh, the second service, he starts leaning on me. All right, okay. He's like, I heard that one time. But anyhow, he was given wisdom from God. So because he was given wisdom from God, the wisdom gave him the ability to approach somebody who had the authority to take his life with wisdom and counsel. Isn't that just like God? See, Daniel, he models some things for us. He models how we're supposed to respond when we, receive, when we receive shocking news. When we have to make difficult decisions, Daniel is showing us how it's done. He responded in a manner worthy of the God he served. Oh, oh hear me, church. Wouldn't it be awesome if all God's people across God-blessed America was responding in a manner that is worthy of the God we serve. Oh, I'm telling you, there'd be revival in this land. But what we want to do is, is we want to get emotional. Now, I'm an emotional guy, but I don't want my emotions to overrun what God is doing. Amen? Y'all with me? I get fired up about things that matter, and I get excited about the gospel, but at the same time, we cannot live an emotionally driven life or we're going to run off in the ditch a lot. He was living in such a way that everything he did was honoring to the God 
he serves. So he approaches Nebuchadnezzar with a humble petition, and he goes through Arioch, and he handles him with wisdom and counsel. But notice this. Daniel then approaches God with a holy plea. Wait a minute. He went humbly before Nebuchadnezzar and his leadership. Now he's going before God with a holy plea. See, Daniel had earned a hearing with Arioch, and ultimately Nebuchadnezzar due to his past testimony. This is very important. If he had had a testimony as being a hothead, or real quick to yabbity 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 and say things he shouldn't say and all that kind of stuff, he would have never earned a hearing with Arioch. He would have never earned a hearing with Nebuchadnezzar. But because he had been faithful and wise in the past, he earned a, earned a hearing in the present. During this three-year training period, Daniel and his three companions had been found to be gracious and been found to be worthy of trust. Now, I'll tell you, that's something. That there was four boys from Judah who had been exiled to Babylon, who stayed true to the God of heaven and still earned the trust of pagan leaders. Are y'all with me today? Ain't this something? That God would use four young boys that were taken from their homeland in their youth, deposited in a foreign country, in a pagan land with a pagan king who wanted to rid their mind of every truth they had ever been taught in Judah. But yet they stayed true to God in the midst of pagan culture and still earned favor with a pagan king. That, my friend, is something that only God can do. So what does he do? Daniel says, okay, we got to do something here. So he goes home. And he shares what's going on with his three closest companions. And the Bible said he turned his attention to the God of heaven. Somebody with me today? Oh, look here. America turn around today if the people of God would turn our hearts toward the God of heaven and quit worrying about what CNN and all them think about it. And I'm not just picking on CNN. You name any of them. CNN, Fox, MSNBC, whatever you call it, whoever you like to watch. I'm, not, I'm just saying, if we would put more confidence in what God said than what we see and hear on the media today, I believe it could turn our nation around. He says, we're going to call on the God of heaven. So they began to call on God. And listen, when they called on God, the Bible said they called on him to seek his mercies. They knew if they were going to be able to avoid certain death at the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, only God could, re could reveal to them what they need. But there's a key word there, and it's the word secret. You can see that said the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision in verse 19. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Secret. That word is used eight times in this chapter. And the Greek equivalent word of that in the New Testament is used 28 times in the New Testament. Say, so why is that important? Because here's what it means. It means hidden truth that is revealed only to the initiated. Wait a minute. That truth was only going to be revealed to Daniel and his companions because they initiated contact with heaven. Oh, man. Oh, today, don't we need some people who will just get humble before God and confess their sins and get right with Jesus and call upon him to show us the way and lead us the way, even the hidden things that he might reveal to us the way we need to go. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, God had hidden prophetic truth in the dream, and he enabled his servant to know both the dream and its interpretation and to understand God's future plans. There was some righteous supplication. And then notice with me in verse 20, there was some reflective celebration. This is my favorite part of this whole text right here, okay? All this other stuff just leading us up to the crescendo, Marty. Crescendo, right? You know what I know about crescendos in music? That it's fitting to get lit. Amen? Right? 
Because when you get to the crescendo, that's when you let it all hang out. That's when you lift your voice and you really hit that high point. Ain't that right, Marty? You didn't know I was a music major, did you? They said, I'm not, so we're good. Okay, good. <laughs> but verse 20 through 23 is the crescendo here, okay? Here's what happens. Verse 19 closes with a message of the dream being revealed to Daniel. But after receiving word from the Lord, the Bible says that Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Hey, I like that one. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> hey, we're going to have some fun up in this house. I went nine weeks preaching to a cell phone. <laughs> Y'all were out there. I just couldn't see you. I, all I could see was Steve. And oh, God, y'all prettier than he is. Yeah. <laughs> no words, brother. We, we having fun. Y'all having fun? All right, just, I want you to have fun. Church shouldn't be a dread. I shouldn't be a dread. I mean, I mean, I remember. I can tell you how many lights are in the ceiling of Edwardsville Baptist Church, and which ones were out most of the time. Cause I, I lay back there and say, "Oh God, when's this gonna be over?" I don't want you to ever do that. All right, I want you to really enjoy being here, but I want God to speak to you. All right, here's what He said: Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So most people would probably do this. I got a word from God, and it's going to keep the king from taking my head off. I'm going to hurry up and get it over there to him before he changes his mind. Oh, but not Daniel. Daniel didn't rush toward King Nebuchadnezzar. You know why he didn't have to rush to King Nebuchadnezzar? Because he had already been in the presence of a king. Hey, he'd already been in the presence of the king of kings. He'd already been in the presence of the God of heaven. He had done sought the mercy of heaven, and God had revealed to him the secret things. So instead of rushing to the king, they began to worship and praise God for his faithfulness. Why would they do that first? I like what Tony Evans said about it. He said, because when we're experiencing chaos, we need to remind ourselves that there is a God in heaven who reigns over the confusion on earth and give him thanks. The confusion is going on in this country today. There is nobody in glory wringing their hands saying, what are we going to do now? God is still sovereign over all the confusion, over everything that's burning, over everybody that's marching. God is still sovereign over all of those things. He's still Lord, and that's why I say in this culture, I'm not going to get caught up in all of that stuff. I'm just going to do the very best I can as a called man of God to stay true to the Word of God and preach the truth of God's Word and let God sort it out. God help us. He doesn't need us to sort it out. He just needs us to preach His Word. Years ago, there was a dude down in Florida that was burning the Koran. He had a pile of the Koran, the, the, the Muslim holy book. He had a huge pile of them. He said, I'm going to set them books on fire tonight. And, well, you know, and he got all the news people in. And people were, and eventually they decided not to. And I don't know, but everybody's like, well, I'll tell you right now, that's what we need. People burn the Koran. Put it up next to this book. This is truth. That ain't. <laughs> this is a Baptist church, ain't it? Amen. Y'all hear me? This is truth. The Koran ain't. So I don't have to spend my life hunting up copies of the Koran to set them on fire. God has not called me to burn the Koran. He's burned this book in my heart, and he's called me to preach this book, this book. And if I'll preach this book, then I'll tell you, this book is supreme over any book. This is God's book, and it doesn't need anything else other than for you and I to declare it's true. Oh, God, help us. So back to the worship service, right? Here, here's what happens. They began to praise God. And I've got to give you a couple of things. Look at verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Daniel praised God for his dedication. <laughs> he said he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. 
He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. You know what Daniel did? He worshiped God for who he is. Oh, it's easy to worship God for what he does. It's easy when you see the handiwork of God around you to worship him for what he does. But listen, when's the last time you just got out beside yourself and got out with the Lord and maybe the Lord in an open Bible and began to read the Psalms or begin to read the stories of God's faithfulness and care and you just lifted your hands toward heaven. It's okay to do that, Baptist folks, all right? And you said, oh, God, I just want to praise you for who you are. I'm here to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, I believe this with all of my heart. I believe how you worship privately translates into how you worship corporately. I don't think worship is something you put on like a sport coat. You can't do like the little, little jingly song, say, I want to put my worship on and get down there and, you know, to, I mean, you don't put it on. It's not something you wear. It's who you are. When you worship God privately, man, you don't have no trouble worshiping Him with the church, Mark. We've suppressed worship sometimes. We're afraid that people are going to maybe be a little emotional in worship. It's okay. But don't ever let your emotions overtake you. But listen to me. That's part of worship. Emotions are part of worship. I would think that Daniel and these old boys, after they heard from God, they got a little emotional. <laughs> I bet they weren't out there going, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. No, I bet it was more like this. Oh, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. I bet they were probably high-fiving each other, Marty, saying, God just spoke up. God just delivered us. But we're going to take time and praise him for who he is. He's a mighty, powerful, wise God. He's a sovereign Lord. And don't ever be afraid to give him praise for who he is. They didn't just praise him for his dedication. There was another thing. They praised God for his revelation. Look at verse 22. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. You know what Daniel knew? He understood that God knows everything. He discovered that our sovereign Lord, as omniscient as he is, and all-knowing as he is, he is willing to share his wisdom and power with ordinary people like you and me. I don't know about you, but that's one of the most amazing things in the text today is the fact that God would use an ordinary guy like Daniel supernaturally empower his life and give him wisdom and give him influence. He's doing the same thing for us today. We need to understand that it blows me away that God would use an ordinary person like us when he is so awesome. But as God reveals truth to us, we are given the ability to do a couple of things. We're given the ability to inspire and equip others. Listen, if you're not inspiring others, you are taking away from others. Right? You're either a fountain or a drain. That's another one of those. <laughs> it's easy to be a drain. It's easy to talk about how terrible things are and how the world's in a mess. Boy, when's the last time you took an opportunity to encourage somebody and be an influence for God and inspire someone to be greater than they ever thought they could be? No, listen, we have the ability to inspire and equip others, what? To be a witness to a lost world of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And that is something we cannot take for granted. When he talked about the secret things, here's something that's real important. Those words refer to things that men hide from one another and cannot hide from God. I told him in the first service, and I'll tell you too, we're real good about it in Southern culture. And it's called pride. How you doing today? Fine. 
You know how many times people have asked me how I'm doing on a Sunday? And I've told them that I'm fine. And I wasn't. Y'all ever done that? But see, we say we're fine because it's the southern cultural thing to do. We just say we're fine. It's the, sometimes we translate it into the spiritual thing to do. Sometimes there are things in our lives that we're good at keeping hid from one another. But I want you to always remember that there is absolutely nothing in your life or mine that's hidden from God. Psalm 139, the psalmist said this. He said, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You know my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with my, all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. He said, you know everything. And then finally they praised him for his preservation. I like that, verse 23. Look what it says. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You give me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's command. You know what he's saying? Because of you, Lord, we're going to get to keep living. <laughs> because of you, Lord, we're not done. And by making known the demands of Nebuchadnezzar, their lives along with the other pagan wise men were spared. This is something you don't ever need to forget. <clears throat> that the presence of the exiled Hebrews in Babylon made deliverance possible for even the pagan wise men. What does that say to us in this culture today? How important is it that the church functions like the church in this chaotic world today? I'll tell you how. Your and my presence and faithfulness to the Word of God and to the Son of God can have a tremendous influence even on those who don't know God and can provide security for even those that don't know God. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. It's very important to understand that had Daniel not got with God and got his marching orders from God, it would have caused him and many, many others to lose their lives. And by seeking the mercies from the God of heaven, Daniel and his companions were able to fully and wholeheartedly praise God for his faithfulness. They say, Lord, you didn't just use us to rescue ourselves. You used us to rescue a multitude of people. You'll be tempted in this culture to go along to get along. You'll tem be tempted to compromise conviction. You'll be tempted to do a lot of things. But you can remain true to conviction while living with the wisdom of God and not just by an emotional whim. That's what Daniel did. But when he praised God, he praised God for his preservation. I like what Jerry Vine said. He said, praise without prayer is presumption. Prayer without praise is ingratitude. Prayer plus praise will tear down strongholds of the devil. Find a Christian who knows what it is to pray, what it means to thank God and praise God when the answer comes. And you have a force for God on this earth. <laughs> he said it will take down the strongholds. Well, what does all that mean to us today? And here's what I think it means. Wouldn't it be something if every child of God in America today responded to the chaos in our world the way Daniel did? Think about it. And you know what? I can't control you. You can't control me. And we can't control anybody. But what we as a people of God need to pray for more than anything else is people who will live the spirit-controlled life, not the emotional-controlled life. I learned a long time ago as a pastor, as much as I wanted people to behave certain ways, I had no ability or authority to make that happen. Only God can. But what if in America today, Christian people responded the way Daniel did? Instead of seeking opinions or seeking approval, we just sought the God of heaven and cried out for his mercies. See, this is what I miss so much about this reopening, 
phase one that we're in. Now more than ever, God's people need to be gathered in altars with their arms around one another, crying out to God, putting tear stains on the carpet, because this country's in a mess. We can't do that, because we still got all this stuff going on that we can't see and we can't control. But here's the good thing about God. Is no matter what separates us or divides us in this culture, he's still Lord. <laughs> hey, you know what? And I don't have to go down to the confession booth tomorrow, Marty, and pull back the little thing and say, Oh, Father, forgive me, I've sinned, and confess some sin to some guy that can't do nothing with it in the first place. <laughs> oh, no. Thanks be to God that because of Jesus Christ, the door to the mercy seat is open. We don't have to have anybody to go there on our behalf. Oh, I tell you what, I enjoy the, the closeness and camaraderie of prayer and all that kind of stuff, but I tell you what I've learned in this past few months. It's like old seminary professor used to tell me, say, Brent, talk with a big, deep voice, Brad, you never know that Jesus is all you need. Your God. And when He's all your God, He's all you'll ever need. Pray with me. Father, we love you. <clears throat> I can't imagine why you love us, <clears throat> but I know you do. Your word says that we love you because you first loved us and if it wasn't for your love in the beginning, we'd have no capacity to love you back. God, my prayer for your people at the end of this day is that it, we go forward with wisdom and godly influence. That we don't get caught up in our emotions, that we stay focused on our relationship with you and our communication with you. Father, may we be like Daniel and his, his friends. Oh, how he influenced them, it's clear. And how their influence is speaking to generations many centuries later. God, help us to have that kind of influence. May we take the challenge as Moody did. There's yet to be seen what God can do through a man totally consecrated to him. And may we be like Moody and say, I aim to be that man or woman. God, help us that even when trouble rages around us, that we don't allow that to pull us into some trap of Satan, but that we would remain faithful, that we would love you and love people, love one another, and not be afraid to demonstrate that love wherever we are. Thank you for your word today. I praise your name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to look this way just for a few minutes before we dismiss. A couple things. One, I want you to know this. <clears throat> if you have any decision, prayer requests, whatever you need from the Lord, I want you to know. I'm not, I leave here. I'm not afraid to talk to you. So don't feel like I can't talk to the preacher because it might get the bug or whatever. I just want you to know. I'm here for you, and I want to help you because you, where you spend eternity matters more to me than anything. And how God uses you as a Christian in this life, if you've trusted him, is very important to me because we're brothers and sisters, and we want God to receive glory from our lives. So any decision you have to make, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can call our number, leave us a message, we'll call you right back. We'll be glad to do that. That'll remain confidential. You don't have to worry about that, okay? Just know your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in this house today, okay? I thank you so much for your kind attention. As I told you last week, thank you so much for your faithfulness to continue to support the ministry, for your faithfulness to give. Uh, it's just been such a blessing to see that uh, I hear all kind of horror stories out there. There's a lot of horror stories out there in churches that haven't made some really hard decisions and things. And your faithfulness has allowed us to continue to 
We haven't defunded anything. We haven't backed up one bit. We're we're charging on harder than ever before. I mean, we're watching things and being careful about things as far as missions and ministry. Not suffered one bit. So that has been a huge blessing, and you continuing to be faithful makes that a continued reality. So just know that you're still helping people. You're still touching lives here and around the globe in a lot of ways, and we're going to be doing more of that as we get close to school reopening and all that kind of stuff. We'll be talking a lot about that. So continue to be faithful, free ways to give, buckets on each doorway on your way out, the online app, tithe.ly, or through our website. Please keep close contact with all of our media, social media, and website in the coming days because we do anticipate things will begin to change some way or another. Pray for the health and safety of our, 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 our community. Uh, pray for other churches as they continue to reopen. Uh, some are just reopening the first day today, some last week, just depending on their situation. So pray for them as they reopen. Pray for no outbreaks. I mean, pray for these things because that could cause us to be back where we were, you know, and we're trying to be as careful as we can be. There's only so much we can do. Psalmist said this in Psalm 50, verse 15. He said, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Isn't that what Daniel did? Caught on in a day of trouble. If you're waiting on a day of trouble in America, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, please don't do that. But you know what? Last night I watched some things are going on as I'm getting ready to go to bed and the news in Atlanta and stuff. But I was able to lay my head on my pillow knowing that God is still sovereign and that Jesus is still Lord. I don't have an answer to all that. So, and I don't believe anybody in this house does. But I believe like Daniel, we have contact with the God who does. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, before we sing, don't forget this. You know I love you. There ain't not a thing you can do about it. I have to check my grammar and my Saturday. Okay? There's not anything, there's not a thing you can do about it. Okay? Marty, you come, let's stand together. And we're going to sing ourselves on the way out. And just know how much I appreciate you. I thank God for you. I look forward to be watching through the week. Wednesday night for sure, 6.30, we'll be live on our our. Uh, Facebook page, and uh, we'll have some other updates through the week, changing a little bit since things are kind of kicking back into high gear, but just pray much for one another, pray for the will of God to be done, and let's go out there and influence this world with the wisdom that God gives us, not what the world gives us. Marty, you sing when you're ready.